Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Story time. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So this happened a little bit ago. I was 17 at the time. It was summer so we were heading to my uncle's house. He owns a little house near a beach. And getting to his house we have to go past this big ass stretch of forest that spans on and on for about an hour or so. The sun was just covering everything in some nice light after it rose, and then it got weird. I remember that my dad turned off his music to pull up the GPS, and I looked at the forest watching all the trees speed by. Then I also took notice that we were the only cars on the road. The only car. None behind, none in front, hell I didn't see another car for like an hour and a half while driving here besides pulling out of my driveway and getting on the road. I thought it was really weird, especially since I'm in a pretty populated area. It's Oregon after all, in the middle of summer. I kept looking at the forest, and I shit you not, A clearing opened for a few seconds and I saw two men wearing black suits and black sunglasses, with black gloves and shoes, tying some big hairy creature to a tree. I just kept looking at them. And they were looking at me, not the car, me. Like they knew I saw them. It scared the shit out of me, and I asked my dad if he saw them. He seemed confused and then said he didn't see a thing, he was too busy driving and looking at his GPS. I don't really believe in strange things like this, but I cannot explain what the F I saw, and I don't know how to feel. Thinking about it now I just get uneasy and scared. The creature that was chained up wasn't lashing around or anything or freaking out, 
and to make it worse as soon as we left the forest, we joined other cars. It was like I just stepped into a crime scene. Has anyone else had an experience like this? Or can I chalk it up to a hyper-imagination? So, for some background info, I live near Mississippi, in Columbus. It's probably not good to be sharing that, but it kinda shapes the story. I was riding my bike with my brother, six, since he was just begging me to ride with him after school. I went, and we decided to bike on the road next to us, which is bordered by a thick layer of really empty woods. Just a bunch of tall trees with not many branches. Anyways, we decided to go down this road because it's at a slight tilted angle, so it makes us a lot faster while biking down it. Anyways, it was like about dark because before we got on the bikes. I'm gonna call the word bike B because I'm too lazy to type bike a bunch of times, we went to the store. So it was around the time where the sky turns orange, and we parked our bees by the side of some sign. And we were eating pepperoni bread. Southern folks know what I'm talking about. So we were fixing to head back, as it was getting dark, and I'd already sat back down on my bee when this tall, malnourished green thing was looking at us. With half of its body peeking out from behind the tree. It had a super short face, and really long fingers. My brother pointed at it, which kinda set it off because it started to bellow. Like a cow or something like that would, but it was really guttural and low-pitched. It started running for the woods. Its arms like extended out as if it was trying to reach a certain place faster, and me and my brother sped off on our bikes. Last thing I saw of it was its green back, sprinting towards the deeper woods. Pretty cool. What I'm about to say will surely make me look like a crazy. When I was a child, between 4 and 5 years old, I often saw a shadow at night. A shadow that was the same size as me and moaned while screaming. This scream was a mix of broken radio, angry cat, zombie ah with low tone of angry goat. It appeared when I pulled my head out of the blanket. Without pretext. His body was dark as night, his face was terrifying, two gaping holes for his eyes and a large, deep and endless mouth. A spike on top of his head. I was screaming every night until my dad picked me up to sleep in my parents' bed. The thing followed us and my father stopped me from turning on the light. He told me, you are brave, you don't need to turn on the light. We stayed in the dark and I ended up falling asleep hearing the thing scream. A few years passed, I was 16 and I finally saw him again. I told my father and he believed me, he told me he had seen it. I had my doubts, I thought he wanted to scare me so I asked him to go to another room in the house to draw this creature. I did same. We had the same drawing except for a few details. It scared me but my father didn't know any more than me. I've heard of shadow people before but it's not really similar, this thing have my size when I was 5. He came to visit me when I was 21. Several times during my shock and anxiety attacks. I found an image that looks like it a while ago but can't find any results on Google. Today, only a few years have passed and I still have questions. My father died 7 years ago. Only I saw this thing. You know what it is? Have you seen anything similar? I've always felt a certain connection to the Amazon rainforest, so when I received the assignment to investigate the strange occurrences in a remote village, I couldn't help but feel a sense of excitement. As a government official, I had dealt with my fair share of unusual cases, but none had ever taken me to the heart of the jungle. Upon my arrival, I could feel the tension hanging in the air. The villagers, belonging to a tribe of about 30 people, had experienced a horrific attack. Seven of their own had been killed, and many more were wounded. The survivors recounted their harrowing ordeal, describing a large creature that resembled a giant dog, standing on its hind legs. They spoke of massive claws, teeth, and fangs that glistened in the moonlight. As I listened to their stories, I couldn't shake the feeling that there was something unnatural about this creature. 
locals reported that it was taller than a man, at least two meters in height, and possessed terrifying strength and speed. The villagers were understandably terrified to stay alone at night, and many had fled their homes for safety. Determined to get to the bottom of this, I ventured into the rainforest with a small team of locals, armed with whatever weapons we could find. We searched for any signs of the creature, but it seemed to have vanished without a trace. The jungle was eerily quiet, and I couldn't help but feel that we were being watched. As night fell, we decided to set up camp and wait for the creature to reveal itself. We huddled around the fire, sharing stories and trying to ease the tension. But deep down, we all knew that we were in great danger. Suddenly, we heard a guttural growl coming from the darkness. It was close. Our hearts raced as we gripped our weapons, eyes scanning the shadows for any sign of the beast. Then, it emerged. The creature was even more terrifying than the villagers had described, a massive, black, dog-like being with enormous claws and fangs that glinted in the firelight. It stood on its hind legs, towering over us, and let out a deafening roar. Instinct took over, and we fought for our lives. The creature was fast and powerful, but we managed to land a few blows. Bloodied and beaten, it retreated into the darkness, leaving us shaken but alive. We returned to the village, relieved to have survived the encounter. The government dispatched additional support to protect the villagers, and we shared our findings with the world. So me and my friends were going airsofting in my friend's woods at night. There were five of us, three were on a team and the other two had to go into the woods and set up a plan. When they were done we went to go in but were stopped multiple times by my friend who did not want to go in at all. He kept having a dreaded feeling the whole time. I felt the same way but I thought it was just the feeling of being hit by pellets or something. So I ignored it. When we finally went to go in a figure properly about 6 feet 5, not skinny and not big either, ran towards us but then changed directs once all three of us started to shoot at it. I was in arm's reach of it, I couldn't see his face or anything like it was blocked, our shots did not affect him at all. His stance did not falter then he ran into the woods and the other two seen him as well. And they came running back to the rest of us. We traced his steps and they abruptly stop in the middle of the woods. But there was no sign of him at all. It almost doesn't feel real and I can't get him out of my head. What do y'all think? About 10 years ago, I took my brother and friend with my two dogs quail hunting and found a trail leading from the desert up into a feeder canyon in the southern Sierra Nevada. I parked the truck at the trailhead and there were a couple of run-down abandoned cabins on either side of the trail. We were all strapped with handguns and we announced ourselves and approached the cabins. One of them had a real cool old attachment shack made of rocks against the slope of the hill. None of us got any bad vibes and the dogs were fine so we split up and started hunting. Now at one point I started chasing a covey away from the cabins in the direction that we came and I noticed in my peripheral vision a man with crossed arms off my left about 40 yards away. And when I did a double take all I saw was a Joshua tree in that same spot. So I kept after me dogs and birds and I again felt someone looking at me from a different spot but on the same side of the mountain. And again when I turned it was a Joshua tree. The real strange thing is that later that morning I went hunting past the cabins into the canyon and my brother was on the slope about 150 feet above me looking for Chukar. He later told me that when he saw me by the creek thicket. Below him a grey mist cloud moved down the canyon and went over me and my dogs between him and me. And he said that made him feel real uneasy. Nothing else happened on the trip. But if I believed in ghosts I would say that some miner is guarding his stash up there. I have tried to go back to that spot over the years but the wife and kids get mad and have said that I'm going to bring back some bad mojo. If I go so I let it be. Every summer on the way to Bishop, I look off towards the Sierras and see the haunted canyon far off in the distance.
So one night I decided to go to sleep after a whopping three days of no sleep. But no, I have to get the spook of my life to keep me up the rest of the night. I was up late, around 2.30 am or something like that and I was ready to hit the hay. But before that, I was going to have nice ham and mayo sandwich. Leaning on an open window looking out on the street, it was super empty. I live in a pretty scummy area full of eshes, Australian gangster wannabes, walking around acting like they own the place but no. They were nowhere to be seen. I went to go wash my hands and go to be but just after I left the window, I hear deep screech that came from outside. You'd expect me to say there was dark figure, wouldn't you? It absolutely wasn't. I looked outside the window to see this lanky creature which almost looked like it's glowing. I rubbed my eyes, and it was still there, I thought that cliché would work. I saw it walking down the street with continuous screams and it was kind of pissing me off not going to lie. So, I leave the window and go to the front of my house to go get a proper look from my front balcony, gone. The screeching stopped when I left the window. I honestly should have gone to check the window to see if it was gone. When it stopped that, but again. It was around 2.40 am at this point. Weird thing is that those eshes haven't been around causing havoc for a while. They did come back the night after but then they just stopped as well as the monster. I honestly wonder if it just me or if I actually saw something. I was probably just sleep deprived now that I think about it. The scariest part of it all is the fact that I've never had night terrors or even believe in the paranormal. But that was honestly something I thought no one, especially not myself would have that experience. But I do believe in the phrase everything has a reason but with them both mixing together. It really doesn't make sense but all I can do is tell you guys this to determine this. Just a heads up this was 2020 when I was isolated if that makes it any more convincing. After that whole experience I was making theories in my head all night which was keeping me up until the sun rose. I still hear the sounds of the screech in my head sometimes, but when I try to replicate them out loud it doesn't really sound right if that makes sense. I want to think that that monster or whatever that was real, and I wasn't just seeing things but who knows, I honestly too lazy to do my own research on it so I thought you guys would know better than anyone since you're so woke. Do y'all know what the hell that was? It was four or five years ago, but the memory of that night still haunts me. My ex-boyfriend and I were driving through one of Georgia's national battlefields, once an Indian land with a history of haunting stories. The stars were shining brightly that night, and we wanted to take advantage of the clear sky and peaceful atmosphere. We cruised along the empty roads, windows down, enjoying the night air. My ex decided to stop at one of the fields to capture the beauty of the Milky Way with his camera. I stayed in the car, gazing at the sky, lost in the vast expanse above me. Suddenly, from the corner of my right eye, I saw something white crawling towards the car. My heart skipped a beat, and my first thought was that it must be a ghost. After all, the battlefield was known for its haunted past. But as I looked more closely, I realized this was something entirely different. This creature had no face and moved with an unnatural gait, as if all of its bones were broken. The sight of it sent shivers down my spine, and I was paralyzed with fear, unable to react or call out to my ex. As he finished taking the picture and returned to the car, I mustered the courage to turn and fully face the creature. It had stopped making its way towards us and, as if sensing our attention, darted back into the woods. My ex, oblivious to what had just occurred, started the car, and we drove off, leaving the eerie encounter behind us. Ever since that night, I've believed that I came face to face with a skinwalker. The fact that it had no eyes made me question my conclusion, but the experience was too terrifying and unexplainable to be anything else. To this day, I can't shake the image of that faceless creature crawling towards us, and the memory of that night serves as a chilling reminder of the unknown lurking in the shadows. I had an eerie encounter during a solo hunting trip. 
I had successfully tagged out on the first day of a deer hunt, and with 10 full days off work, I wasn't ready to return to the real world just yet. I decided to spend a few nights exploring new areas of the hunting unit for future seasons. I took a service road deep into the wilderness and found the perfect spot in a valley surrounded by towering peaks. I set up camp and then ventured out to scout the area for deer, just for fun. As I headed back to camp, I noticed something peculiar. Several of the trees surrounding my campsite were scarred with deep, vertical marks. They looked like claw marks, but I couldn't tell if they were from a bear, a mountain lion, or even purposefully made by someone trying to fool people like me. I shrugged it off and settled in for the night. Being a light sleeper, any sound or disturbance could easily awaken me. And in the dead of night, that's precisely what happened. I was jolted awake by the most chilling sound I'd ever heard, a screaming banshee-like wail echoing through the valley. I lay there, frozen in my sleeping bag, as the eerie sound repeated several times, each scream sending shivers down my spine. I tried to rationalize the noise, telling myself it must be a distant animal or the wind howling through the trees. But deep down, I couldn't shake the feeling that something otherworldly was out there, haunting the valley. As morning broke, I packed up my camp, my nerves still on edge from the night before. I left the area, unable to shake the memory of the spine-chilling screams and the unexplained claw marks. To this day, the experience remains one of the most unsettling moments of my life, a reminder that there are still mysteries lurking in the wild, waiting to be discovered by the unsuspecting adventurer. This was told to me by one of the guys who had the encounter. He and his hunting partner were hunting somewhere in Utah. I'm being vague because I don't remember exactly where, and I'm sworn to secrecy, so no identifying info. They were on horses in the middle of nowhere in a large blind canyon. One way in, one way out. Lots of deadfall, took most of the day on horseback to get in. So to set the scene, middle of nowhere and tough country. They come upon a guy dressed in 1950s hunting apparel, standing in the middle of a deadfall that no one had any business standing in. They had rode in from the bottom, and did not see any traces. They approached to make themselves friendly. Horses want nothing to do with this guys. An air of tension is casting a pall on this whole interaction. The guy is nice enough, except for the fact that he had red eyes. Not pothead, ripped out of his mind red glowing red eyes. Yup, red flannel in the middle of nowhere and glowing red eyes. They took their leave, both nervous. My buddy looked back at the guy, gone. Nowhere to go but he was not there. My friend has only told this to a couple of people. I know it's a little anticlimactic, but at the time it scared the crap out of two grown men with rifles, glowing red I dude had no rifle. My friend is sure that he met the devil himself that day. They have never been back. I was leaving a spot in the woods where I take my dog for long walks. As it was quite well into dusk. I like dusk, and stay for the brighter part intentionally, and when driving back I saw what I initially thought was a coyote in the middle of the road. That turned out to be a domestic dog. As I got close enough to see more than its vague outline. It barked at my car a few times and my dog growled in response. Then I got out to go maybe get a phone number from this dog's collar. As I approached the dog, it spun around and giggled like a schoolgirl. Weirdest dog noise I've ever heard. But my dog still surprises me with new ones every so often, so I wasn't really spooked by it. It started trotting into the woods, periodically looking back to make sure I was following. At this point, it's fairly dark. Too dark to make out faces from more than 10 meters away or so. The dog leads me to a dilapidated house in a part of the woods that looked more like part of the park. I was in rather than a lot. I knocked on the door to tell these people that their dog is loose and standing in the middle of roads. And who answered the door was the least human-looking old woman I have ever seen. She quickly becons the dog inside with a hissy whistle, 
then asks me with a shocked expression on her face what am I doing at her door? I was immediately overcome with the smell of metal and rot. Smelled like somebody was deep frying roadkill in molten copper. Her skin was a pasty gray, her nose was big, long, and broken, her mouth was absurdly wide, her hair was long, thin, black, and patchy, and she didn't have those little fleshy bits that normal people have in the corners of their eyes. She seemed very angry with my presence, and I stuttered out my answer that I was following what seemed to be her dog. Because it was standing in the middle of the road. Her face relaxed, momentarily seeming pleased with this response, then twisted into the face one puts on in front of some mischievous idea. She opens her mouth to say something, revealing a wide row of dog-like teeth. But I cut her off, exclaiming how late it was and that I should get back to my dog who was still in the car. Her mouth closed, her brow furrowed, then she shut the door in my face. I left to ponder this strange experience on the drive home. I later returned during the day, and did not found any signs of the woman or the dog, or of any activity in that old house whatsoever. Probably this is the strangest experience I have ever had, that I can say for sure was not a hallucination. My hunting partner and I had ventured into the backcountry for a few days of hunting, hoping to bag some big game. We had set up our tent in a remote location, feeling confident and secure in our abilities as experienced outdoorsmen. In the middle of the night, we were suddenly awakened by a series of guttural screams echoing through the darkness. The sounds were unlike anything we had ever heard before, and they sent shivers down our spines. As two grown, alpha males, we decided to investigate the source of the noise. Unfortunately, our guns were in the truck, and we didn't have any sidearms with us. Undeterred, we cautiously exited the tent, determined to face whatever was making the terrifying sounds. But as we stepped out, a rock came hurtling towards us, narrowly missing our heads. Forced back into the tent by a barrage of rocks the size of our heads, we found ourselves trapped and terrified. The screaming continued throughout the night, accompanied by the relentless assault of rocks against our tent. As dawn approached, a terrible smell filled the air, and we had been kept awake all night by the ongoing chaos. When the first light finally broke through the darkness, we dared to peek outside the tent. And that's when we saw it, a large, dark, hairy shape, towering over the landscape. It had been the source of the screams, the smell, and the rocks that had pinned us down all night. In that moment, we knew we were staring at the legendary Bigfoot. We wasted no time packing up our camp and leaving the area, shaken by the realization that we had come face to face with a creature that many people believed to be a myth. I knew my friend was neither a liar nor a coward, and we both agreed that we had encountered something extraordinary. Since that fateful trip, we have never returned to that location. But the memory of that encounter remains etched in our minds, a reminder that there are still mysteries and undiscovered creatures lurking in the shadows of the wild, waiting for the moment when the veil between the known and the unknown is lifted. Growing up, I had always been captivated by the strange and mysterious stories my family would share during gatherings. One story, in particular, that my grandfather would often tell was about an eerie encounter my great-grandfather had many years ago. My great-grandfather used to ride a tonga, a horse-drawn carriage, for his daily commute. One evening, as he was passing through a dense forest, he noticed a beautiful kid, baby goat, standing all alone by the side of the road. Its innocent appearance tugged at his heartstrings, and he decided to take it home and adopt it, thinking that it was abandoned. He stopped the tonga, got down, and gently picked up the little goat. As he settled back into the carriage with the kid in his arms, the horse suddenly began to freak out, as if it sensed something unnatural. Confused and concerned, my great-grandfather looked down at the baby goat, only to find that it had grown abnormally large legs, disproportionate even for a full-grown goat. Fear coursed through him, and he hastily threw the creature out of the carriage urging the horse to bolt away from the spot as fast as it could. 
He never looked back, and the chilling encounter remained a mystery that haunted him for the rest of his life. What's interesting is that both my great-grandfather's experience and the story of the faceless creature I had encountered seemed to share a common thread, the interaction with an otherworldly being that revealed its true nature, as if to remind us that there are things in this world that we may never fully comprehend. In both instances, there was a moment of realization that what we initially believed to be a harmless, familiar sight was actually something far more sinister and unknown. It's a stark reminder that there's a thin line between the world we know and the mysteries that lurk just beyond our understanding, and sometimes, when we least expect it, we may catch a glimpse of the inexplicable. Quite a few years ago, I drove a taxi to have some kind of income. One night after the pubs had closed, I had delivered a dude far out on the countryside and was on my way back towards the city again when I came to an area mostly covered by acres for farming where there are no street lights at all, so my car's headlights were the only light source while following a somewhat twisty road. Then I came to a short downhill section that turned into a left turn where the road straightens out after the turn. I had driven this stretch of road many times before, but when I was driving downhill and turned into the left, my headlights lit up four persons out on the field dressed in white, hooded robes with a lot of dangling things on them. They all turned their attention towards me and their eyes all lit up in a bright yellowish color. This freaked me the F out, so I stepped on the pedal and just noped the F out of there. I have no idea what that actually was, to me it seemed like some cult stuff but that does not explain their glowing yellow eyes. Nobody I have asked about it later on, have never seen anything like it, and there isn't supposed to be any kind of cult in town at all. Not sure if it's a thing out on the Norwegian countryside though. This probably isn't going to be the most spooky story, just something happened to me recently that's kept me paranoid. My parents got ready for bed, and I was staying up late on my computer, as always. We said our good nights and they went upstairs, not too soon after, I heard a sound from the dining room window. It was as if someone took their hand and went down the entire length of the window with purpose and pressure, like nails on a chalkboard. And the window is too high up for any of the animals in the forest outside our house to do it. Nor do any animals of that size even come close to the house. I don't think any human could possibly be that tall to be able to do it either. My dad can't even reach the top of the window, and he's around 6 feet. I paused everything and tried to listen to see if I could hear anything else, footsteps, breathing, etc. Because I was too scared to go into the dining room to investigate, I wouldn't be able to see anything in that darkness anyways, but I heard nothing. Just the hand down the window. It was petrifying and I still have no idea what happened. It's been a few days since then, but no sound has happened since. I worry one day I will stare through a window and see something staring back at me and promptly have a heart attack ha. I do believe this isn't a natural thing, as it was a very odd sound, like it was a bigger than usual hand, rubbing my window. I don't see any other plausible explanation for it other than the paranormal. It was a night I'll never forget. About 10 years ago, my friends and I were driving in Jackson, New Jersey, headed to Sonic or someplace similar for a late night snack. We were all laughing and joking, enjoying the freedom of our youth and the open road ahead of us. As we continued down the highway, the atmosphere suddenly shifted. The night air grew thick with fog, swallowing the landscape and reducing our visibility to almost nothing. We slowed down, trying to navigate through the dense mist. Out of nowhere, a tall, ragged-looking man appeared in the road, only five feet in front of our car. It was as if he had materialized from the fog itself. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Self. My friends and I all saw him, and we screamed in terror, fearing the inevitable impact. Our driver slammed on the brakes, but we knew it was too late to avoid hitting the mysterious figure. We braced for the collision, but the impact never came. Our car continued to glide forward, and the man seemed to vanish as suddenly as he had appeared. Confused and frightened, I quickly turned around to see what had happened to him, but the fog had disappeared completely, leaving no trace of the eerie figure we had just encountered. We drove to Sonic in stunned silence, each of us trying to process what had just happened. We couldn't find a rational explanation for the sudden fog, the ragged man, or his disappearance. To this day, we still talk about that night, wondering if we had somehow crossed paths with a ghost or a supernatural being. Despite the passing of time, the memory of that night remains vivid and chilling. The experience taught us that there are things in this world that defy explanation, and sometimes, those mysteries reveal themselves when we least expect it. I had two eerie experiences out in the bush while working in Colombia and Africa. I was not hunting either time, but it was definitely wilderness, so I guess that qualifies for this thread. When we lived in Bogota, Colombia, I traveled to the Amazon on several occasions for work. On one occasion I took the family to the river town of Leticia which is on the Amazon River where Colombia, Peru, and Brazil all meet. Leticia was one of the safest towns in Colombia since it is so far from anything even the FARC and ELN guerrillas didn't have much of a presence in the area. Leticia is kind of a frontier town like I imagine St. Louis was in the 1830s. Within three to four hours by boat from Leticia you still have tribes in the Javari Valley that have had none to very limited contact with the outside world. Men from the Tacuna, Toto and Yagua tribes come into town to trade, sell skins on the black market, etc. There are some men who are both fluent in Spanish Portuguese and the many Indian languages of the area and they act as a go-between and often travel for weeks into the forest to trade. One one trip we took a boat up river about two hours to Puerto Nariño and I found a Tacuna Indian, since the area north and west of there is Tacuna land, with a canoe with an outbound motor who agreed to take us north on the little tributaries and fish, do birding, etc. He told us about a tree that kills other trees so we decided to go check that out and see if it was real. There were certain areas of the forest that he was very leery about and said that we could not stop as there were evil spirits in that part of the forest. The Takuna we talked with also described a lot of animals that are not recognized by science and were not in any of the field guide books I have. It was interesting because they didn't exaggerate these animals as being special or unique. For example, when I asked about what cats there were, they described a jaguar, 
puma, ocelot, margay, and a cat about the size of a puma but with much longer canine teeth than the rest. Both Takuna I talked with spoke about this cat just as matter of fact they did about a jaguar, peccary, snakes, etc. Without sounding excited or trying to get me interested. On the same trip, we also spent some time with a Witoto guide in the area due north of Leticia. We got to a small village where they had just killed a jaguar that had attacked a hunter. The Witoto also believe in a lot of the same animals that the Takuna guy told me about, but they are adamant about being out of certain areas by dark when they believe El Dueño de la Selva, Lord of the Forest, walks around. They described it as a dwarf-like being that has feet pointing backwards and can imitate any voice. They give a small offering any time they hunt to pay safe passage in order to hunt and kill an animal. This being will often lure children out into the forest by imitating the voices of their parents telling the child to go deeper and deeper into the forest until they are lost and even their best trackers would lose the kid's sign at a certain point, as if the tracks suddenly disappeared and there were only a set of human-like tracks that appeared to be walking backwards. I know that a lot of indigenous tribes are very superstitious and believe in things that we think are strange. Just like they think some of the stuff we believe is crazy, but it was interesting to see experienced hunters that had just killed a jaguar with spears be absolutely terrified about a small dwarf-like creature that lures children away to their deaths. But there were a few times out there when the hair on your arms would stand up and you would feel that you were being watched. Most of the area is triple canopy so it is fairly dark even during the day and your eyes get tired and play tricks. Sometimes it would look like there was a man up ahead but when you got there it was some twisted vines. GPS didn't work because of the canopy and all the creeks look the same except where there is occasionally a fallen log to cross over on. But it was weird because that haunting feeling only occurred at certain times even though the entire trip was in similar terrain and vegetation. We also saw jaguar prints on top of our tracks that we had left two hours before. So I know there were lots of sets of eyes watching us. But that didn't phase the wee Toto we were with, it was that other thing that they feared. I live in East Tennessee and red wolves aren't even supposed to be here. But I looked up wolves on the internet and I promise this is what I seen. I sit on my porch smoking and on my phone at all hours. It was about 4 am quiet which is unusual since I live in the mountains. Closest neighbors are about one half mile away. My hackles stand up as I'm engulfed in something on my phone so I look up. I look around and I don't see it at first. But this wolf was only about 15 feet from me. My porch is about 8 feet high one way up and down. Now I see coyotes almost every night. I'll just stomp my foot and they run off. I was so shocked I couldn't mow at first. This thing was just huge and not moving at all looking at me. I pull myself together and stomp my foot. This thing never even twitched a muscle or moved. I'm terrified. I slowly stand up never taking my eyes off of it and back into my house. I instantly go to the window and look out and poof gone. I walked around my home looking out every window nothing. We have motion light on each corner of our house that are set off constantly. But somehow this thing didn't trigger them. No one believe me when I say I saw a wolf especially one that big. But we have those concrete deer in our yard not far from where this happened. This wolf made them look tiny it was also so broad. I will admit I have never seen a wolf before. But this thing terrified me. The fact it never even twitched when I stomped my foot and just stared at me. Like damn I get chills every time I think of this. I've been on fishing and hunting trips in the Amazon and it's a very wild and powerful place. Spent some time going deep into the other world with shamans before a hunt, having ape blown through a snuff cane into my nose to induce a vision quest. Talking with animal spirits that I was later hunting. Lots of strange creatures and supernatural forces in that jungle. My most eerie story was actually in Northern California. I was setting up camp one evening in the summer on a remote logging trail. 
It was hot and muggy so I decided to walk down to a stream wearing nothing but a towel and go for a dip to cool off. On my way back to camp as I was walking up the trail I saw what looked at first like a doe walking towards me. I stopped and watched it getting closer to and as it came into focus I noticed a big circular head and thick black tail that swung to the side. Oh s I said out loud as I realized it was a mountain lion, and a big one. Just then it looked up at me and we stared at each other for a moment. I raised my hands up to try and look bigger, realizing I had no weapon and was half naked. The cat looked at me and in one hop jumped into the scrub oak. I made some noise, collected myself, and continued on back to camp after waiting a few minutes. I got back to my camp about an hour later and the sun had gone down. I was lighting my camp stove to cook dinner. I turned on my headlamp and kind of stared at the ground, thinking about what had happened earlier. I even thought it was kind of cool to be able to see such an elusive animal. It was at that moment I felt a chill go up my back. Some primal instinct from deep in my brain was telling me something was very wrong. I turned around and looked into the tree above me. About 15 feet away was the shadowy figure of that same circular head I saw earlier. The eyes were locked onto me and glowed bright yellow. The cat knew I saw it and crouched into a pouncing position. I felt absolute terror, and I was now being hunted. This cat had been stalking and watching me the entire time, deciding when to make its move. In one leap I made it into the back of my pickup truck and slammed the topper down. I could have won an Olympic medal for the distance I covered in that one move. It still gives me the shivers every time I think about it. The cat had me fair and square. One second later and it could have had the back of my neck in its mouth and it would have been over for me. The era part is that I was no longer a hunter, but was stalked for almost an hour without ever realizing it. When I was around five years old, I was asleep in the living room along with my siblings and parents, as we didn't have bedrooms at the time. Across the living room was the kitchen. I wake up around 2-3 am, look to a huge wooden spoon hanging by the window, the usual. However, there was a large bright white glowing light reflecting, and I got confused, so I went into the kitchen, turned my head to the left, directly in front of the stairs, and there an apparition was. A girl with huge black stringy eyes, black crazy frizzy hair, and no nose or mouth, she was wearing a white gown, all of her was white, it matched her gown, and it all flowed into the floor. I asked what she wanted, and nothing happened. I stared in awe for a couple seconds, ran back to the living room, tried waking everyone up, to no avail, the reflection could still be seen. I covered myself fully with a blanket and cried myself to sleep. I would tell my mother about it immediately, and a few weeks ago when we were discussing this event, she told me that I spoke to her about being afraid of this girl in the house, but she would comfort me by saying I was okay and safe and that nobody was there. She would eventually see the girl for herself and connect it to what I told her, and she would go upstairs to make sure I was okay. My brother also saw her. But when he saw her, she was sitting on his bed with a polka dot dress, still black eyes and black crazy hair. A few years later, I would see her again. My brothers were jumping on the trampoline with their friend, and went inside after I went to join them. I was jumping by myself and looked up at the window above the stairs, and she was looking outside. She looked the same, black stringy eyes, it was like 10 am, and everybody was home but I was the only one to see it. That was the last time I ever saw her, thankfully. She was the scariest thing I have ever seen with my own eyes. A lot of paranormal happened in that house, however, this story is one of the worst ones. My dad used to have audio of a little girl within the home, when he left for work, and before I was even born, I'm the only girl, besides my mom. He didn't even mean to capture anything besides a haunted painting which a camera was pointed at the entire time. The video was around 6-8 hours in length, and the girl didn't start talking until around 2.5 hours in. You could hear jumping on the bed, that would be my parents' bed, little feet running down the hallway, 
and a little girl saying, Daddy, I made it through, then you heard a low grunt sound right after. I'm not gonna lie, that painting is extremely haunted, you could see it change expressions slightly, but noticeably, and feel wetness under the eyes when it looked upset, it's very possible that it opened up some sort of portal. Whenever that painting is hung up, be prepared for the paranormal and strange is all I'm saying. I don't know what happened to that painting for it to become haunted, but it's not a good haunting, that's for sure. My dad claims he got rid of it, but it's a painting of his grandma, I don't know how much to believe that he got rid of it. I was headed out early this past Saturday to enjoy the CO Turkey opener. Planned on making a weekend out of it and was going to backpack in north of the Powder River. As I was making my way down the winding road along the river, I saw a woman waving her arms frantically running down the side of the road. To preface, there was an absolute lack of cell service, total dead spot, and it was pitch black, 4.15 am. As I pull up alongside the woman and roll down my window I can see the blood on her face and what looked like a broken nose. She starts screaming that her boyfriend is trying to kill her and she needs help getting away now. I make a panic snap judgment and let her in the truck. As we pull off and I look for a spot to turn around and head back into town she starts screaming again and points at a car sitting on the side of the road, that's my boyfriend, you have to get me away from him. So I rip a U-turn and speed back into town. He follows me for a mile or so, not like aggressively, just following behind. I reach a light that is red and just run that F. He stays behind at the light. She tells me that I can take her back to the hotel she was staying at, but I ask if her boyfriend knew that she was staying there, which she said yes, so obviously I can't take her there. I ask if she has any family in the area and it turns out her grandparents were about an hour away, which was no problem given the situation. The next hour as we drive she details three years of absolute horror with this guy. Now I am 25 and have no children but it was bringing me to tears hearing what was done to her. At the end we get to her grandparents house and her brother came out. Shook hands and told him what I saw, seemed that he was ready to murder the guy. Felt comfortable leaving her and went on my way. Never know what you will run into away from the city before dawn. It was dead of winter, at my grandparents' home, before I was born, my grandma and uncles were home. This man knocks on the door, black hat, trench coat, black medium-length stringy hair, super pale, dead-looking eyes. My grandma opens the door, and wasn't the type of person to turn anyone away based on appearance. He didn't speak, however, so she went to go grab some paper and a pen for him to write on. My uncle went to the door, looked at him and simply said I'm not afraid of you, the man turned around, walked out of the door, and left no trace whatsoever. He instantly vanished, no footsteps or anything, no car was around, he simply was gone. When I was little, at my parents' house, I would see this man in reflections sometimes. One time my brother saw a man looking like that, standing inside and looking out of my bedroom window on the second story, and nobody was home. This man wasn't a shadow, he resembled a human being, however, was far from it. Some speculate he is a demon. When I was around 5 years old, I started praying to Satan alongside my regular prayers, believing that he was protecting and loving me. My family was very religious, and we attended church frequently, so I prayed often. Over time, Satan started to communicate with me, although it's possible that it was just my overactive imagination as a child. I remember these experiences vividly, including dreams where I talked to Satan. One dream, in particular, stands out in my memory. In the dream, I found myself in a grassy field with a man who had no discernible features but seemed normal in appearance. We talked about my future, but in the clouds he pointed out a hand, reaching down. A powerful voice boomed, asking me to take the hand and renounce evil to come into the light. I felt compelled to take the hand, 
and I woke up feeling scared and hid under my sheets. After a while, something gently poked my solar plexus, as I'm writing this, I still get goosebumps because this had me scared shitless the entire night. Sorry for the sudden change in tone lol, the following night, I had a sleepover with my sisters in the basement, and we prayed together before bed. After finishing my regular prayers, I started to pray to Satan again, but my sisters heard me and yelled at me, explaining why I should never pray to him and that I needed to repent. Later on in life, after I had stopped, I had my first confession, and I confessed my experiences with Satan along with other things to the priest. I wish there was more to this story, but there really isn't. I'm not sure if this was just a kid's overactive imagination or if I really spoke to the devil. I have similar stories I can share but they require a lot more context and I don't really feel like writing them out, just to have people not believe me. Share your opinion on this or similar experiences you might have. Use chat GPT to revise this, so if some parts sound weird. That's why. I'll try to make it short but when I was younger I was in bed with my mother and we were just jokingly trying to scare each other by telling different scenarios, suddenly we both heard loud stomps right above us on the roof and we literally both froze in fear, it quite frankly sounded like a large man walking in circles on our roof with heavy combat boots, the thing is we were in a very secluded native reservation and the closest people to our house lived about 6 kilometers away. Also mind you it was winter time so I seriously doubt anyone would come to our house just to walk on our roof in minus 17 weather at 11.30 pm at night my mother could tell that I was very frightened by what we were hearing and so she made up an excuse for the noise saying oh it's probably some dog's tail hitting the walls of our house but it was definitely not that at all. She even later told me that she only said that to help calm me down this walking noise continued for about 10 minutes and it abruptly stopped and didn't continue on after that. We did make sure to lock all doors and windows that night but we both definitely knew it wasn't a physical intruder that was making those noises, but still better safe than sorry. In the end we both don't know what the hell was walking on our roof that night. Like I said it was also winter and so the next morning my mother went out to check for any tracks and there were simply none to be seen. Even on the roof I have a lot more similar experiences like this but none have stopped my heart like that night did. We also live in Ontario so I frankly believe nothing here can make the heavy stomps we heard, let alone even get on the roof. So I like to go to cemeteries and walk around. While doing so, I always record with my iPhone and my digital voice recorder. I find it interesting to see the different styles and types of headstones, as well as the ages of the deceased, and at times when I review my recordings, I get EVPs. This time was no different than any others, this cemetery is from the early 1800s and sits on the top of a hill, one side is overlooking a man-made lake, so there is plenty of water to help add to the energy if you believe that it does or can. So last night I start to review my audio recording. It didn't take long before the first dip showed up, a faint but clear whisper of help in a male voice, then as I am narrating about where the cemetery is located and that when it was started there was no lake there yet, just a valley, another faint of that says, look followed a few seconds later by a male voice saying don't look both of these are in different tones. I then say out loud, here's a civil war veteran, he lived until 1933, he was in the army, I say that I was in the army too, thank you for your service, and as I walk on I get come back soldier, which made the hair stand up on me. Now the sound of a small plane flying overhead is heard, and I get this if been a male voice that says plane, now I know that I have a definite intelligent spirit with me. Then I come to this smaller headstone of a nine-year-old girl I will call Clarissa, on the top above her name was the picture of a stork flying and carrying a baby, I found it very sad, the pain that these parents must have went through, I am a father of six, all grown now, but that has always been my worst fear, to lose a child. But as I am describing her headstone and age, I say hello to her, then in a female tone I get this if, leave here and a split second later another one in a male voice, 
dickhead, maybe the mother and the father? Then I come to another Civil War veteran, I will call Benjamin Suttles, who served with Company D 4th Ohio Cavalry. As soon as I said his name there was a male voice that clearly says it was the war. Then over the course of the next 3 minutes 25 seconds I hear my name Clinton said in the same voice 4 times, with a forceful whisper of listen thrown in 1 time in the same male tone of voice. At the end, I get out of the car to open the gate to leave, and as I am opening the gate, it's inside the car still recording, and I get what sounds like a couple of hideous sounding growls. Now before someone says, well you're near a lake so it's probably voices of people out in boats and such, that is not the case, the temperature when I was there was mid-40s, with a stiff breeze and a wind chill in lower 40s to upper 30s, there were no boats out on the lake, and there is nowhere close to there to fish from the bank and no parking areas near me. One side of the cemetery is the lake, the rest is all wooded except for the narrow one-lane road which is not used much until summer, and the sun had already set and was almost complete darkness. As I said, I use my iPhone for my video and I use my old Sony ICD voice recorder, it's old as dirt basically, but it is very sensitive and reliable, only downfall is that there is no card to save it onto, so I log everything on paper when I review it. I go to a large number of cemeteries to do this, I don't do what everyone calls obsessions, I just record as I walk around and talk or ask questions, an incident at a cemetery very close to my home in 2019 got me to doing this, I have gotten some things that sound absolutely horrific and or demonic, pleas for help, and even threats of bodily harm, I have been called by my childhood nickname numerous times, and they even told me of my father's upcoming death, it wasn't 100% accurate, but it was so close that I can't ignore it. I am still somewhat skeptical, but that is slowly wearing off, this stuff is out there and it is very real, too real sometimes. Between 2004 and 2006 I worked at a large format movie theater located in a large outdoor mall in a coastal city in South Carolina. Unlike other theaters we only showed specialty films made specifically for a larger format mostly nature documentaries or short films that worked well on a 10-story tall movie screen. Since there was only one screen we had only one projector in the projection booth. And there was only one entrance to the booth. I need to give a quick layout of the building. You entered through the front doors and immediately to your right was the ticket counter and behind that was our office that had the safe inside it. Straight ahead of the front doors was a large staircase that led upstairs to the theater entrance and concession stand. To the left of the front door was a set of doors that led to a gift shop and a hallway that led to an exit as well as another door to the theater that only opened from inside the theater. So after the film ended people would exit downstairs through the gift shop. There was also another exit from the theater on the opposite side. You enter the front door, purchase your ticket, Walk upstairs of take the elevator if you are disabled. The usher takes your ticket and you enter the theater at the entrance to your right or left then exit downstairs unless of course you are diabled. There is one other stairwell that led to the projection booth. You could assess this stairwell from two doors, one on the first floor the other on the second. And to enter the booth you needed a key. I was the usher on duty that night. It was after the tourist season was over so there wasn't a need for many staff members. I took the last ticket and as soon as the film started I began cleaning and preparing for the next day. The film ends and I make sure all of the customer exit and then I clean up all the spilled drinks and popcorn. Then I turn off the theater lights and go sit in the office behind the ticket counter. My manager on duty was finishing counting down the safe and when he finished we could leave. He closed the safe and was about to enter the code to set the security system when we heard a very loud thud above us. We looked at each other inside. I thought maybe something fell over in the concession stand. We made our way upstairs and long story short we checked everywhere. Behind the concession stand, all the stairwells, both hallways, the elevator and even the projection booth. Nothing had fallen over and no one was there that we could find. The last place we checked was the theater itself. 
We each entered the theater from the two entrances on the second floor. We turned on the lights and looked in the theater. We met at the bottom of the stadium-style seating and were about to head out thinking the noise must have come from outside. That's when I happened to glance up at the projection booth. I will never forget what I saw. Looking down at us was the outline of a person. I could not make out any features but there was someone or something up there. I just stared for a moment until my manager looked up as well. As soon as he saw it he started running up the stairs to get to the projection booth. He was a lot taller and skinnier than I was and he made it there really quickly. I managed to catch up and there was no one there. There was one way in and one way out of the booth and you had to have a key to get in. I still get chills thinking back. My SO lives in a rather old house, and the top floor where his bedroom is used to be part of the attic. We, and his dog, were aware of the ghost of a little girl, but she was harmless. She mostly appeared to look at the dog. Other than that, we noticed that the room next to the bedroom was always freezing, and in the bedroom itself there was sometimes an awful smell. A rotting corpse smell. I used to think there was an evil presence and we'd burn sage and try to banish it. One night we were watching television in bed and the smell reappeared, worse than ever. I got pissed off and told the presence in no uncertain terms to go away, but for some reason I said, unless you're the little girl and you've been murdered and buried in the wall somewhere. There was a bang against the door. My SO and I nearly jumped out of our skins, got chills down our backs and we legged it downstairs. We heard more banging from upstairs, and I decided to try communicating with it. I asked if it was indeed the little girl and there was a bang in response. I asked if she'd been murdered, and again got a bang in response. I asked how, and I suddenly got a stroboscopic style vision of an adult man striking the girl in anger, her head hitting the corner of the wall, and her little body crumpling down on the floor. I asked her about what I saw and was answered each time by a bang. We figured out that the weird concrete block at the end of the garden, half hidden by brambles, might have been her final resting place, as whomever killed her was covering up the evidence. Then I tried to reassure her to move on, there would be good people waiting for her there, this took a good 15 minutes. There was a final bang, and then silence. We went back to the bedroom and the smell was gone. It never reappeared. The cold room next to the bedroom wasn't ever unnaturally cold again either. The whole thing was terrifying, but came to a good conclusion in the end.